Welcome back to another episode of Fret Buzz the Podcast. Hi, I'm Aaron Sefcik, and every week, together with my co-host Joe McMurray, we talk music. Whether that's building guitars for the past 43 years with luthier Mark Benito on episode 47 and 48, or talking with Dr. Sean Purcell about jazz guitar and higher education in episode 39. Or maybe it's bass and jam bands with Randy Nicholas, or synthesizers and sampling with Paul Gaeta. Or, if you are into fingerstyle guitar, check out episode 28 and 29 with Dustin Furlow. We really don't stray away from anything here. We're pretty much all genres, all instruments. We talk music. So follow along, subscribe if you like. With that, let's jump into part two with Adam Rafferty on Fret Buzz, the podcast. You, you use a Maiden, Maiden, Matin guitar, right? Maiden. Maiden. M-A-T-O-N. They're built in Australia, right? I have they're, two of them, but I only play one of them, and one's a backup. They're really, they they play, I've heard they're really hot, like they... Very loud, yeah. Very loud, yeah. What, did you do that because, did you get that guitar because that's what Tommy was playing? Tommy Emanuel? <laughs> Well, sort of, yeah. I started with Taylor guitars. My mm-hmm. first videos, I'm playing that Taylor 314. I, I still have I still have those. And I have two of them, and one of them sounds really good. The other's like, okay. Taylor, Taylors are like that. They're all kind of pretty good, but if you're lucky, you know, one of them will just sound amazing. Mm-hmm. But the pickups, the pickups just sound like crap. The, the ES... You know, and they'll tell you, no, it's the best pickup in the world. And I was like, guys, <coughs> it's just not happening. And so I was still in New York and I went to Rudy's Music, which was which was kind of a... I've been there. They, that's, that's yeah. They, they only have a store now in, in Soho, but they had one on, on 48th Street for a while. And I bought a bunch of Archtop guitars from him and I, I knew the guys there. And I, I said, you know, I'm thinking about getting a Maiden... And the guy, I can't remember his name, Gordon, Gordon from the acoustic room. He said, you know, there's this new company, Cole Clark. Check them out. They're similar to Maiden, and maybe they'll give you, maybe they'll give you a deal. Or maybe they'll do an endorsement. Or... So there were a few years I played Cole Clark guitars. Cole Clark. And it, yeah, they, they were pretty good. Uh, but it was just that. I don't even think the guy who I worked with is working for Cole Clark. I think they've had some personnel changes, but there was a, a person in charge of like giving me uh, the guitar, the, the guitars I needed. And like, they gave me a guitar. So like, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything bad about the company. Cause like, I think now the guitars are stellar and, and the people are really cool. But this one particular guy I was dealing with, he just wasn't giving me like a great guitar. It was always like, well, we'll give you this demo model, and then I'd play, and like there'd be a loose brace and something buzzing, and be like, man, I need a smaller guitar. You know, I have this dreadnought, and my shoulder's hurting. I need like one of the little ones. And then he was like, man, we can't just keep giving you guitars. And you know, I'd kind of been rolling with them. And then I got pissed. I was like, dude, I'm not an 18 year old asking daddy for a graduation present. I'm on stage getting my ass whipped by Tommy Emmanuel. Now, if, if like. 
in Bangkok. He's like whipping me. <laughs> I was like, so either you're going to step up to the plate and give me an ax, you know, or not. And then it was like a hum and a hum and a hum. And I said, you know what? Just take it. It's cool. I'm going to go buy what I need. So I bought the Maiden guitars and, and, and the guys from Maiden, they're the nicest guys in the world, but they're hilarious. They contact me. They're like, did you buy those guitars? And I'm like, well, if you gave them to me, wouldn't you know that you had given them to me? Of course I, I bought them, you know, I, I bought them. And they said, would you like to be a Maiden artist? I said, absolutely. And so I'm on their website and everything. And I, and I told them, I said, here's my deal. I said, Hook me up with if I need a replacement pickup or, or you know, if, the, if something goes south on the guitar, just just hook it up. And, and I said, I have to tell people the truth. If there's a situation where I'm going to play another guitar, I speak only the truth. It takes too much energy to not play the guitar that feels right or lie or, or do any of that. And, you know oh, geez, I should play this guitar because the guys from the company are going to see me. And the truth of it is, I know that guitar. That's my main one. That's like the tool that I've used now for 10 years on stage. I know what to expect out of that guitar. And it totally, I get my sound pretty much right away on stage. You know, and it just behaves, sounds good. Yeah, humidity cracks and you bring it to somebody they glue it up ah, frets are all don't need a fret job you know i mean it's got to put some work into it but the guitar it, it's totally cool and uh, so i i do a similar setup on stage as many of the finger style guys i got some pedals you know nothing fancy a little bit of reverb i go into an aer amp and then i do a di out of the amp so that's my little monitor on stage the sound in the house I, I play 30 minutes, They di not even 30 minutes, the sound check. They dial it in and we say, we're good to go. You know? One of the main things that I've, I found, and this is personal, I mean, I do this thing where I, I, I no longer play with a thumb pick. And I talk about that quite a bit because I always have this feeling like I should, which is totally stupid, you know, because other guys can, so I should be able to do it. But... Um, that was a that was a sticking point at sound checks. It, it, it there was so much screwing around, and I realized I wasn't happy with what was going on here. And the minute I changed to like a nice fleshy paw, I literally I plug the guitar and I play Masquinata and, and or Isn't She Lovely? The sound is there in the house. I get my sound right away. <clears throat> so acoustically, they are not the most awesome sounding guitars. Mm -hmm. You know. I didn't record my last CD with it. I recorded with a handmade guitar with some nice mics. But live, it's awesome. It's just, it, does, it does the job. And ah, so when you asked me, did, did Tommy say anything? I had my Cole Clark, and I was on this gig in Bangkok with Tommy. I mean, I was so nervous. With Tommy, Michael Fix, Joe Robinson, doesn't anyway, matter. it was it was a festival, and so Tommy was in his hotel room. He was long gone, but I was kind of hanging out with Michael Fix and Joe Robinson, and we were we were there. I said, "Okay, let's do a shootout. Let's let's really hear what these guitars sound like just with an amp." And the Matins at that time, the Matins just sounded better plugged in than than the Cole Clark. Right, right there, we just tested it, and I said, "Okay, I'm I'm done with this. I'm going to get the other." Now I think they've they're comparable. 
you know. So, yeah. We just had on um, Mark Benito of Benito Guitars. He was on episodes. It was late forties episodes. Um, that's Benito Ross, or or Benedetto? No, ben, Benito. Benito. That's what okay. Don. What Don Ross plays. Ah. Um, he's a Canadian luthier, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to play one of those recently, and it was just. It sounds so good. It's so responsive compared to my, I love my Taylor, but it's just not even the same. It's hardly comparable. Yeah. I feel so, I I have this like little conflict. It's not really a conflict right up the road from me. I, I, I met a guy at a festival in Germany. It turns out he lives 12 minutes away from me. This awesome genius nylon string guitar builder. I mean, the stuff he builds is amazing. And he, so he's, I don't have it here. I gave it back to him, but I'm going to get it back. He built like kind of a crossover nylon guitar with a cutaway and pickup. And I'm going, dude, you're amazing. But like, I just don't play nylon string guitar. And he can't understand like, why is it so different? You know? And I'm like, it's a totally different beast. <laughs> and I said, so we can, ha- we can have a beer, we can hang, you know, let's, let's, let me help you with your website. Let's like, do- his name is Daniel Zucali. He builds amazing stuff, but it's, it's, I just, <laughs> I'm not a nylon string guy. Right. It's just, yeah. Different they feel so weird. The, there's when you pluck the string, like it's got so much more give you have, yeah. it just feels, I feel so sloppy. And the and the neck is so much wider. Yeah. That's yeah. And the thing is, I can if I play it for long enough, I can kind of go, wow, I can really get into this warm jazzy thing. But then I'm thinking, it's not enough bite for for a concert for the way I play. Like I need a little bit of bite on the sound. It's it would just be nice music, but it would be too too much like cocktail hour. Right. At least the way I play, you know. Yeah. I do love the sound. I, you know, yeah, yeah. listening to classical guitar is uh, something I do from time to time. Mm-hmm. If, have you ever seen that video? of Seg- There's a great video of Segovia and he like, he's like talking about how it can sound like a cello or a violin, depending mm-hmm. on how you pluck the string and where you mm-hmm. pluck the string and which string. And I was like, Oh my God, he's. A yeah. Genius. Well, but that's how, that's how you got to That's how you got to think. It's totally how you got to think. And if you, when I arrange, it's, it's a different version of that, but yeah, I could totally, I could totally understand, totally understand that. Yeah. It's, just, yeah. it's a beautiful instrument. I've got one sitting there and I just look at it and wish I was better at it. Did you ever hear Earl Clue? Oh yeah. I'm very familiar with, with Earl Clue. Yeah. He's from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, he was, that was one of the first solo jazz records I had. He played a nylon string. Wishful, and, I, I grew up with Wishful Thinking. <laughs> Great album. Uh, I don't know if it was Wishful Thinking. Something Midnight Guitar or Late Night, late night Guitar. Yeah, yeah. It had Ain't Misbehaving solo. Yeah, cool. Yeah. That sort of kind of went in the, I think that's somewhere, somewhere inside here in the ears, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am really curious as to, so we recently had a copyright lawyer on the show to talk about well trade she's a trademark lawyer but we were just getting into the legalities surrounding the internet and music and mm-hmm. um 
that episode should be out. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, that will be out. But um, mm -hmm. I'm interested as to what hurdles you've had to jump over in order to publish, not only publish on YouTube, but cover songs. But, you know, you've put out entire albums. Like, I remember Michael. Mm -hmm. Like, what, how does that work? What are, okay. I guess it's two separate questions. Albums and YouTube. And there's a third one, DVDs. Oh, yeah. Lay it on me. And there's a fourth one, printing music. Mm, right. Yeah, like your website where you have none of the tabs written in, but you're somehow allowed to show it on the, well, I'll, on the I'll, screen. I'll explain everything. I'll explain everything. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to show it on the screen. <laughs> um, show what on the screen? <laughs> <laughs> um, here goes. Now, I... <clears throat> I'm only familiar with the laws in the States regarding CDs and music publishing. I'm not so familiar with how it goes down in Europe. And chances are, if I put CDs out, I'll just keep doing it the way I've done it. There is a website, I can check it here, called, I think it's called Songfile, songfile.com. And that is was formerly known as what's called the Harry Fox Agency. So to do CDs, you need to get what's called mechanical licenses. Mm -hmm. And that, that site, Songfile, has a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so very often they'll ask you if you find, let's say, you find your, your song on the song you've done, like maybe my Michael Jackson record, you know, Billie Jean. Okay. And it says, how long is your performance? You say, ah, four minutes and 34 seconds. How many CDs are you going to make? Ah, a thousand. I'm going to press a thousand. And it does a calculation and you get a bill. Chances are it's going to be about 70 bucks for, for that, that thousand, something like that. And so to do my record, I, I remember Michael with all these Michael Jackson or Barry Gordy or the guy who wrote Thriller. Who's the guy who wrote Thriller? What's his name? Rod Temperton. Mm -hmm. So to do all those tunes, you know, I just had to kind of configure this thing on song files, you know, pay it, and you get your mechanical licenses. And then when you go to a, a CD pressing place like Disc Makers, they say, hey, you need to, you need to show us that you paid – or, or that you have the rights to, to put a, D, a CD with these songs out. So you have to sort of somehow show them, I don't know what the current thing is, if you mail them the PDFs or you know, just check a box, I don't know. And legally, if you go and press another thousand, you should probably go back and pay for another, another thousand, which I can't remember if I've done that. I'll get around to it if I haven't. But, you know, like then – if you're sort of not a Britney Spears or, or one of them, you know, if you're just pressing a thousand CDs, you know, pe people are not so exact. They're not so on it, but that's called mechanical licenses. Now I've had to go for tunes like summertime. I can't make you love me. The chameleon by Herbie Hancock. Uh, maybe one other I had to kind of go searching because they weren't on this site song file I had to kind of go somewhere and the Lonnie I was tuned by Lonnie Smith 
So I had to do a little digging and make sure that I paid the people for the licenses. So that was that. Now, it got interesting. Okay, YouTube. YouTube is just, I mean, the way YouTube was made, it was like made to be the biggest copyright infringement platform. <laughs> you know, like how could they just make it without the safeguards in place? But they did. Yeah. And then most of the publishers, somehow they got on board and got some sort of agreement and, and they have their listening software. So if I play a tune by the Beatles, sooner or later, their like little listening software will say, oh, you're playing a tune by the Beatles. No problem. We're going to run ads over it and the Beatles are going to get their thing. So I don't really need to deal with that. My Hotel California was zapped off. Yeah. Hotel California is a tune that you can't do. Anything Eagle. I saw it before they took it down. Yeah. Now I, I have yeah. it on a I have it on a secret hidden Vimeo site. I might just put it up on my website on a little blog page. Yeah. And and put it in the title so at least it'll get some SEO and then people can come and see it. But I don't I don't even want to teach it on Study with Adam because what if you learn it and you say cool I want to put my video up on YouTube then everybody's screwed it's just going to keep getting taken off off YouTube. And so then the interesting thing was. DVDs because in 2009 I got the permission to do the first Stevie Wonder fingerstyle DVD and I don't know have you seen those Joe I've seen that they exist yeah 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 um, so I haven't actually know, bought them I mean who who buys DVDs anymore but I you know I made actual DVDs and, and little printed booklets and so to make a DVD or some kind of standalone video with music in it, you need what's called sync rights, right? But to print the booklet, you need what's called print rights. So I approached EMI at the time, and they said, sure, no problem. Stephen Warren, I said, they, they were like, cool, great. Yeah, go, go ahead, do it. So it was so easy, and then I went to Hal Leonard, who has the print rights, and Hal Leonard said, cool, you got the sync rights, no problem. You know, you pay us this much, pay us this much. Paid all my stuff up front. I said, yeah, I'm going to press a thousand of them. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm actually behind on my sync right royalty payments. That's another thing. One of my many, the invisible tasks of, of office work of a musician. I got to, I got to do that. And so I was like, wow, that was easy. And then I did you know, isn't she lovely? And people went bonkers on that video. And so I said, maybe I could do a second Stevie Wonder. And so they said, sure, no problem. Same thing. I just rolled out. I did a second DVD. And that was that was a really cool period of my life because it was actually way less intense work than the website now, Study with Adam. I just had this thing and I got a little shipping company in New York that would just ship out DVDs to people. It was very, you know, cool little mail order Thing that I had going and I was just playing my gigs and you know, doing the tours and then Billie Jean came along and with the video and I said oh man people love this I'm going to do a Michael Jackson DVD EMI nope <laughs> what and then I said what about and I asked them several times at that point they were Sony nope no Michael Jackson tunes and then I realized oh let me I got some Beatles tunes here Beatles nope I said, wow, I got, I got this. Uh... And so now with the Michael Jackson, 
I said, well, what about if I did some Jackson Five songs? And they went, yeah, that that'll that'll work. Like the tunes Barry Gordy and you know, because I had I'll be there and and ABC. So I, I, I fleshed it out with some of those uh, Jackson Five tunes. And that was not really what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to do Billie Jean on a DVD. Everybody wanted it. I could have sold them like hotcakes. I'm not sounding very musical right now. I'm sounding more like a business guy, but I wanted to make that DVD. And so uh, it got tougher and tougher to communicate and, and get DVDs. And I said, this just isn't going to work. And I said, maybe I'll do a Brazilian one. I'll do Masquenada and Girl from Ipanema and a few others. Nope. And so I didn't, I didn't even go so far as, as talking about the print rights. Now, what's interesting here, uh, now this might sound arcane to everybody who's listening because you think DVD, huh? Everything's online now. But the idea with sync rights that I heard, this is just hearsay, but this is what I heard, is that, you know, they don't even want to deal with like – a finger style guitar guy who's going to sell a few $35 DVDs. Like they don't want to waste their time dealing with me. They want to be like with the next Jim Carrey movie where he's dancing like a buffoon in a disco with Billie Jean playing. And they're talking about like a zillion dollar deal. Like that's what they want to be working on. Or if Britney Spears covers, I love rock and roll by Joan Jett or whatever, you know, like that, that that's, those are the big things. So the, they didn't even get back to me on half the stuff. Hmm. And so now a lot of guitarists, so that's the sync rights. A lot of guitarists online are making a huge mistake by printing tabs. I read everything about that. You're not allowed to do it. You're just not allowed to do it. If you didn't compose the tune, you can't sell your arrangement of it. Like my tablatures that go with the Stevie Wonder tabs they had to turn it around in such a way they said well you're going to fill out a w9 you're going to be employed by stevie wonder to write tabs he owns them but you have the right to sell them so it had to be this twisted thing for it to all legally lay right you can't even though i have tabs on my computer of you know things that i'll do at workshops and and here's the thing. The way that I said the, the movie companies, they don't want to deal with the small little fish. Plus, they're going, ah, YouTube, everything. Ah. The print companies have been so slow to get on board that they go out of their way to penalize people legally and financially who are selling tablatures. You know, so that's who you have to worry about. They'll come after you. I've had pretty well-known fingerstyle guys come to me, write me an email. Adam, I don't know what to do. I'm in a panic. I make my living selling tabs off my website, and now the publishers told me I have to take everything down. I have to pay a penalty. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might have to go working at Starbucks. I'm talking about, like, famous guys. And they say, you must know about this. I say, yeah, I, don't, I didn't get in that business. That's a dangerous business. You cannot sell you can't even give them away for free. Wow. It's not, it's really messed up. And it's, it's basically because they, they just didn't get on board. They wanted to hold out for so long and say, no, we're going to insist that people pay for the, 
the music book at the music store and they just were unrealistic. It's like, dudes, we're in the world of like, everybody can make a PDF and upload it to a sharing site and do a guitar pro file. And like, you're just holding to your arcane way of doing things. So, so that's a different right. The print, so the print rights, sync rights or video mechanical rights. And basically I've taken a little bit of a gamble with my school and I, I maybe shouldn't say this publicly, but here goes, I'll say it. I don't sell any individual instruction. I don't sell instruction to Billy Jean. I sell a membership. You can come into my school and the publishers might go, well, that really doesn't hold a whole lot of water. And I'll say, well, if legally, if I have to take Billy Jean off, I'll take it off. And the school can still stand, and I'm, that's not a standalone thing. And then the publishers, I've even had some publishers come to me and say, well, you know, why don't you do a book for us so that you can do it legally? And I said, well, actually, I don't give any tabs away from my site. So the print guys, I keep them out of the conversation. And I'm probably too small a fish to fry. Although it could be that it's not 100% kosher. It really could be. And if I think about it, sometimes it keeps me up at night. And they might not stay up there forever. The cover tunes just might not stay up there forever. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Sounds like that. You know, you got call now in the next five hours and get your <laughs> no, but go on to Adam's site and no, get, no, no. I don't. I don't mean it. it done. No, no I'm, I'm promoting you. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It's I, worth it. It's, yeah, it sounds funny. Like act now before. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know where that's all heading. And I don't think a company as big as like True Fire or somebody would take the chance that I'm taking. I might be doing something really stupid. And honestly, my plans for the future are to do less cover songs and, and more originals and kind of like how to, how to do stuff. I don't know, blues or, or, or how to solo on changes or techniques or, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to build up a repertoire of lessons that can't be taken away from me. Right. Uh, so until now it's worked, but it kind of freaks me out if I, if I have too much time alone and I start spooking myself and, and thinking about it, but uh, I'm only showing the videos, you know, and it, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, nobody's come and said, you have to take those videos down. It, I would tell them I'm only showing people where to put their fingers. You know, and we'll see, we'd, I'd have to see where a discussion would go from there. But I did that. Basically, the whole the, the idea of study with Adam was um, the, the the germ of it was me not getting the rights to the Billie Jean DVD. I said, "How people want this lesson? How can I get it out there? You know, without giving it away on YouTube for totally free?" Which some people would say, "Oh, just give it away for free." You know, but. I didn't want to do that. So. Man, that's the that's the best explanation of this stuff I've I've received. So thank you. <laughs> oh, good, good, yeah. yeah. I uh, I was really wondering because yeah, every video you put up, it you know, I, it's obvious. I have like here for anybody watching, like here's my sunny study sheet, and I had to uh -huh. I had to write in everything myself. Right, right, right. Sorry, that was it an idea. Great. Yeah, that was an idea from you know. 
a clever, a clever guy who had invited me for a concert in Germany. He says, man, people want to print stuff out. Just do a blank sheet and let them write it in. Right. Oh, man. Cool. I actually think it, it's useful because the act of writing it, I think I digest it better. Mm -hmm. I actually kind of, I have my own way of writing that <laughs> makes it clear to me mm -hmm. what I'm doing. You know, sometimes I'll write things a little differently than your mm -hmm. regular tab. And sometimes I'll, I like to highlight, or I, I have the system of, um, in tab, I'll, I'll put roots in squares, I'll put thirds in diamonds, mm -hmm. fifths in circles, and sevenths in a little triangle. Oh, cool. And I do stuff like that to help me understand, like, what the map, where the different chord tones are in the tab because mm -hmm. it's you know it's not as clear as treble clef mm -hmm. or staff in general oh, that's 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 cool but, man. great yeah so i that seems to work very well mm -hmm. and by the way if if a company held me at gunpoint and said you have to take your lessons off off our site i would either give it i put the whole thing up for free on youtube or do an opt-in give lesson number one away for free and then have some have them opt in and get the rest of the lessons. I'd still utilize that, you know? Yeah. So uh, I have no idea where that's going. I mean, it's not, it's not a hundred percent kosher, as I said, not to, not to totally derail what you were saying about your, your roots and thirds and everything. Uh, yeah. It's, it's something I could spook myself if I think about it. It's not a hundred percent. It ain't totally right. You know, it's kind of like declaring, expenses on your taxes that ain't really expenses you know it's like you can get away with it but little yeah, little I, on the edge a little on the edge client, I'm just client being meals is that's one of the weirdest to me the way yeah. you can declare you know that's business expense mm -hmm. bought a drink for a client or mm -hmm. food for the client yeah mm -hmm. yeah it weirds me out yeah I, I guess my, the only other question that i had is, is how you started in guitar oh yeah, yeah have you played any other instruments or was it like do you remember getting your first guitar and how that whole like because i was looking for that on your on your website but it, i i didn't get any in terms ah. of, in terms of like how you became to be within and as you explain it on your on your website BF <laughs> versus AF. <laughs> what? Before, Before fingers, fingers uh, after fingers. Right. How did, what was I? Right, yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So how did in terms of before the whole New York thing and you mm -hmm. playing out? How did how did you get? Because I know there are a lot of our listeners. You know, they're they're starting out um, and and probably wondering how you got into the whole thing in the first place. Mm -hmm. Okay. My dad was a pretty good guitar player and you know, strumming some finger picking and singer. And he had this big old Martin D 28 and man, I've owned that guitar from time to time. And then he always wants it back. It's gone back and forth a couple of <laughs> times. Uh, and I can remember being two, three years, two, three, four years old and him opening the case, and this thing just seemed bigger than life because, you know, I was this little guy, and then this D28s are big, and just the smell of the wood, the plush blue velvet in the case, and just, you know, him just strumming that thing and the sound just hitting me and singing. My dad's a pretty good singer, you know. He's like uh, – his he's Irish. Well, he's not from Ireland, but, his, you know, his, his grandparents were. And so there's that sort of real – 
there's this Irish thing when Irish people sing in tune, it's got a lyricism to it. That's, it's just that thing, you know, it's somehow it goes really goes to the heart. And uh, so he was, He's about 80 now. He's going to be 80 soon. So he was like in the 60s, you know, with Simon and Garfunkel and, and Beatles and a little bit of Buddy Holly. And, and and it just hit me. And I just said, I want to play guitar. It was just always. And then I had little plastic toy guitars. And, you know, age five, I got guitar lessons from a great player named Woody Mann. Now, I don't know if you've heard of Woody Mann. But if you man with two ends, look him up. He's on Stefan Grossman's DVDs and he's like, he's a solo blues acoustic guy, sings also. He, he could play jazz. I think he even played clarinet at Juilliard, but he got really into Reverend Gary Davis and these like old, they sound like older blues guys, but they were around in the, in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. But their style, you, you hear it and you think it's from further back. Right. So it was kind of happening alongside the same time as Miles Davis and John Coltrane. But Reverend Gary Davis and guys like that. And so I started with a great teacher. And I learned chords to Beatles songs. And he would bring in these little tablatures of finger-picking kind of blues things. And I think at the time, he was like learning from Reverend Gary Davis or maybe just a few years before. And I loved going to my lessons with him. And I, I studied with him from like age five to age 11 straight. I mean, every week going going to lessons. And then he, he was a very gentle teacher and he'd work on a little bit of improvising. And he'd show me, hey, let me show you a major seventh chord. When you play this to him, play a major seventh chord yourself sort of pushing me a little bit into a jazzy direction. And then, uh, so that's how I started. That's how I started. Mm -hmm. And then I, I kind of did a, a typical, semi-typical trajectory that a lot of guitar players do. Got into rock and roll, got an electric guitar, figured out Zeppelin stuff by ear. Wasn't taking lessons because I didn't really know how can anybody teach me this stuff anyway. I was picking solos off records and jamming with my friends, and and then did that for a couple years, and then kind of said, "Geez, you know, this is kind of going nowhere." I got I got somewhere, but now it's going nowhere again. So I went for some classical guitar lessons, and that was the rudest awakening. That that had to be. I mean, from going with any kind of hand position you want to a teacher putting you in the right position and having to read music. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was like going to the dentist without anesthesia. You know, I mean, it was just horrible, but I wanted to do it. And I loved my classical guitar teacher. I really loved that guy. And I did that and I, I went to... I got into music college. I was never a great classical guitarist. I, I learned a lot. From it, I got some sort of concept and hand position. And I did one year at uh, SUNY Purchase, which was the name of the, the college, State University of New York, in the classical guitar department. And it was just a bad fit. Hmm. It was just a bad fit. Like, it was so clicky, and I just didn't get along with the teacher. 
and some of the guys there were really talented classical guys. And I was like this blues, rock, funk, something heading to jazz kind of guy who was doing classical guitar. But like, I enjoyed classical guitar in this sort of little bubble. Like, wow, I really like listening to John Williams play Bach, but for me to do it 24 seven wasn't right. And then I quit and I became a composition major. And then life took a total left turn. My best friend and I accidentally formed a hip hop group. <laughs> I was a rapper. I quit playing guitar for a few years because I was totally confused. What happened was we were at a band rehearsal and we were goofing on rapping. He was beatboxing and I was goofing on rapping before, you know, everybody's playing everybody else's instruments and goofing around. And the guy, because we had a little pop band in college and the band leader said, you guys sound awesome. Why don't you get really like get one tune together and do it on the gig? We were like, really? <laughs> and, and so we did it. And what happens? I mean, it was like, you know, like something from a movie. Everybody loves us and is just not really into the band. Yeah. Right. And the chicks and the attention. And it was the whole talk, man, have you heard these guys? And it caught fire. It just, yeah. It caught fire. One tune turned to two, two, two turned to three. And then we quit the band, but hired all the guys back because there weren't enough musicians in school. Only we were in charge. And that went on for a couple years. And so like now when I do the beatboxing and the stage stuff that was kind of informed from all those experiences. And that was a wild experience. I mean, that we did we did a lot of crazy stuff. We did a lot of crazy shows and, and crazy areas. And I mean, it was it was right around the same time that the Beastie Boys came out, but yeah. we were we were live, and my friend is a killer drummer, and you know we we had a band and yeah it was, it was cool. Was that your full time job then? <laughs> no, no, I was in college. I was about oh, 18, totally 18, 19, 18, 19 years old for that period, and I was really in between having a weird in between phase with guitar, yeah. which oddly enough I'm kind of feeling like. I'm in a strange kind of limbo now, similar, like not sure what's coming next. So, and then, so I had this, it was this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, you know, I had this thing and I was getting lots of showered with attention and the girls loved it and it was cool and we'd record and have a good time. And it was this thing that was running and the musician in me was just dying for some real music. I shouldn't say real music, but dying for some, musical melody and you know playing and i got into jazz and that's when i found my teacher mike longo who ended up being like the super heavyweight teacher of my life yeah. you know, a lot of which i'm trying to teach the concepts to, to you guys on the site and then at one point he 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 put it to me he said man i don't have enough time for people who are full of crap man you, you got to decide like either you're playing jazz and that's your thing or get lost because he wanted, he wanted to put the fire in me. And so I quit the band with my friend and it was, it was terrible. It was like a divorce, man. He's my best friend. Um, and he has a great house music band now. They're, they're doing great. They tour all over the place. And if, if worlds collide properly, I take my telly out and I play rhythm guitar with them incognito, you know. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. You know, just slip into my like Nile Rodgers kind of kind of thing you know i don't really put that on my schedule but that's sort of i get to connect with him and and do something a little different yeah. um and which is crazy because we're both new york guys but now that i'm here he'll say man i have a gig in hamburg can you make it it's like 
whoever thought, you know, your friend from when you're a teenager, you're going to be meeting in Europe somewhere like that. So yeah, that's, that was the, the, cool. the path. So it, it's this, I would say I, I have very much this pendulum swing between a more showbiz kind of thing and then a yearning for a deep musical thing. And I'm kind of swinging back towards wanting a deep musical thing, but unfortunately, the showbiz stuff works with the audience. The Beatles medley works. Superstition works. <laughs> you know, it functions. You get the people, and if you go, man, I'm going to improvise some obscure jazz thing. It's like Spinal Tap at the at the <laughs> at the at the Great Adventure where they're playing jazz and no one's listening. You know, it's like, yeah. you know. So, but yeah, it started with my dad playing guitar. Cool. Very cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that's awesome. We've so many people have such a similar story about going rock and then wanting something a bit more, uh-huh. whether cha- whether it's challenging or more, you know, formal, and they go either jazz or classical, and then you tend people tend to swing back. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's where I'm at too. I'm I love I still make time to play to practice jazz specifically, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. I need all the different types of music. Yeah. And I, I realized I, I don't listen to enough music. That's that's a weak thing because I just get so. I have Spotify. I don't fire it up enough. I, I get so like overwhelmed with all the ads on YouTube. I'm like, man, I don't want to see everything. You know, I, I don't only want to look in the rearview mirror and, and see stuff I've looked at. I want to I want to you know find some new stuff. But I yeah. I must listen to more music because I'm always happier when I listen to music. Always much happier when I listen to music. You know, because if I just get into my lessons and, and hearing myself practice all the time, it gets pretty dingy and dusty. Yeah, I have a I use a listening guide with my students and uh, everybody has to listen to. I, it's kind of on a whim what I pick, but I'll base uh-huh. it on the student, what they seem to have liked. And I'll try to guide them in that direction and cool their boundaries. But I, I try to make all my students listen. And in the same way, a lot of times they'll. Like you heard this, and I'm like, mm-hmm. never heard it, but I'll write it down and I'll listen and mm-hmm. I'll add it to the add it to the list if I like it. And yeah, cool. I also I look at the I was just down at Jazz Fest in New Orleans and uh-huh. um, end of April, and I just like I'm still going through the schedule, all, all the people I didn't see and the people I saw, and I just go and listen to some of their songs to see if it's something I might like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. That's great. So much music out here. Out oh here. yeah. It's oh, so yeah. easy to get. You just type it in, you know, whatever your music player is or YouTube, and you can mm-hmm. instantly hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna go see Snarky Puppy next uh, in a couple weeks. They're they're playing nearby, and uh, my girlfriend's. She's not a professional musician, but she's like in her bones. She's a musician. She plays piano. She sings pretty good. And, and I said, come on, let's go check these guys out. You know, like go to a live show and just go bananas. So we're, we're going to check that out. And there's a, a couple of fest, big outdoor festivals here nearby. I got to see Deep Purple a few years ago with Steve Morris playing. It was great. Cool. I got to see Sting last summer. Great. You know, these, the professional, uber professional seasoned rock guys, Sting, Paul McCartney, that level, Deep Purple, what, they're so great when you see them live. They're just so great when you see them live. They really, you know, they're not they're not famous for no reason. You know, they're just Sting was singing perfectly in tune. And now that 
I never really thought about it. You watch them singing these police songs with these total crazy reggae bass lines. You go, he had to practice that, that you know, like uh, spirits in the material world. Uh-huh. That, that verse. Yeah. Something like that. And he's singing right over the top of it. Smooth as silk. Now, damn, man. Yeah. And the songs, one after another, great songs. I, I never thought I was a Sting fan. I mean, I always liked him, but one song after the other. So. Yeah. I really want to see Rush. I've been. That was the first Aaron. live. That was the first live concert I ever went to. Whoa! <laughs> Fifteen years old. That's awesome. That's cool. <laughs> we all we all played air drums to uh, yep. to the Phils and Tom Sawyer. Yep. Yep. Have you seen that uh, the new documentary that's out on Netflix about Rush? I, I know saw... you haven't, Aaron, but. I, I saw a previous one where Neil Peart was talking a lot about his wife and kid dying. Yeah. Maybe that's now on Netflix. I saw that. Maybe years that's ago. the same one. He does talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I got. I've been listening to Rush like all week because of yes that because I've been, I like had to watch it. I'd watch like fifteen minutes while I ate, <laughs> and I'd be they'd be talking about a certain period in their career, and I'd mm-hmm. be like okay, I got to go listen to this '80s stuff that I've never heard from Rush. That mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Somehow I didn't even realize that existed. And, they were killer, man. And yeah. the cool thing is my girlfriend, she really likes interesting music. You know, I can play a tune like YYZ for her and she'll just like rock out to it. You know, seven, eight, bam, 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 bam. And she'll go bananas. She'll go totally bananas. Like <laughs> that's, 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 that's kind of nice. Yeah, they were great. They were absolutely great. Yeah. They were absolutely great. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's on my, on my bucket list. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. Well, you're not going to see them anymore. They're they're done. They're done. You think they're never going to come back? No, they'll never come back. Uh, Neil's done. Neil is done. Well, maybe Tour- we'll have a change of heart someday. Touring is hard work, man. Yeah. You know, um, I, I when when I'm home, it's like a plane on the ground. When I'm on tour, it's like the plane is at cruising altitude, but always getting up to cruising altitude, it's total change of of lifestyle. You know, it's it's and I've never, of course, toured on the level of somebody like Rush. It's hard work. Yeah. Time zones, everything, logistics. How do you do? You practice a lot while you're touring. Yeah. I mean, it's it's demanding music. I mean, you can't really, you got to be very uh, on top of it to be able to go out and perform. So it's not like playing rhythm guitar or something, or even jazz, well, where you can kind of fudge the. It's not as precise in a lot of ways. Well, you know, I something in my playing changed over the last couple of years. I, I sort of got this mental picture. It, I do practice a lot when I'm on tour because. I, I want to be, first of all, I have the downtime. I'm alone. I'm, I can practice on the train. It's quiet. I can practice in the hotel. My, my guitar is not a loud guitar. And uh, I know that my number one job is to be on stage that night and do a great show. There's nothing else like email is secondary. Everything else is secondary. My number one job is that. Whereas when I'm home, there's you know, like we're doing a podcast now, or you might have this, you might have that. Or, you know, there can be several things going on. So when when I'm on tour, that 
that's a, a big difference mentally is that I've got to kill it on, on stage. So there's a different orientation. Then um, the first several years that I played fingerstyle, I felt like I had to practice for hours and hours and hours to get my chops up and, and get everything cooking right and, and to, to get everything to hook up. And I sort of said to myself, I said, you know, th this, I can't sustain this way of playing. It's, it's not sustainable. I want to be like the old, like a drummer or a bass player who can just pick up their instrument and play. I don't want to be like the guitar player who has to get his chops like really cooking before he plays. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like a drummer can just say, hey, man, cool, let's play. And he just starts playing. And I said, I want my playing to be more like that. And so I, I had to kind of change some things around technically so that I would find the most reliable angles and ways of the arrangement and, and muting of strings. So now my concert repertoire, the stuff that I've played a lot over and over and over again, and I recently had to kind of, I always have to be on top of superstition, like what's, what's happening with that one, um, particularly when there's bass runs, because if you're not using any picks or fingernails, you get the, it can be very thumpy and you need the clarity, and that's, that's tricky. Um, but you don't want to tighten up when you, when you play it. But I... I don't want it to be that I have to practice on teen hours a day to be able to play. I, str I struggle with that now. I feel uh -huh. like, you know, I, I have a show tomorrow with a jazz duo and mm -hmm. I feel like I need to run every song at least uh -huh. once in the week leading up to that. show, And it, <laughs> it creates a lot of work when that's one of the shows I'm doing. And I had two totally different sets the past two days. Well, yeah, you different next week. It's, I feel like I'm just, but I, I feel like I'm going to get over that hump. Like I've gotten over that hump with a lot of my older repertoire, but not finger style and newer jazz repertoire. I still have to. That's just a question of doing it enough. Constantly, you know, I want to make sure I remember the changes. Yeah, that's, that's a question of doing it enough. It just has to be saved. So yeah. you're not thinking about it. And then it's in your body. You yeah. know, if I, if I go to play a jazz standard, like all the things you are, it's, it's in the cells of my body. I'm not thinking about it. Muscle memory. Yeah. 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 Cool. I just don't have that. That's not my upbringing. I was a pick guy. I didn't. I Me too. Finger picking until recently. Me too. Two years. Me too, man. I mean, I did classical, but I mean, I played, I didn't play anything with my fingers. And I was only doing flat pick. Yeah. I did. I did hybrid picking a lot, but uh -huh. the jazz standards, but. Now it's like on the acoustic guitar, I, as soon as I use the pick, it sounds horrible. Like it's so <laughs> tinny sounding compared to. I know, right? Like, especially when I'm plugged in. Like, I'll play Angelina from Tommy. Uh huh. Like, that's one of the few, you know, pick songs I do uh -huh. acoustically. And I'm, it, like, I have to like rework my entire EQ on my board and everything. I know, I know. And, uh, he, he that's why when I was saying I stopped playing with the thumb pick, I just started going with the fingers because I, I get the sound. It might not have the bite and the excitement, but I, I don't have that Ugh, that sound yeah. of, oh, my God. You just have to find the way that works for you. I mean, it sounds so cliche, you know, uh, 
but all I can say is I've tried other people's solutions and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You got to because you're wired. We're all wired with this lifetime of experiences and, and influences. That's it's a unique combination. You'll, you, you'll never arrive at the same conclusion that somebody else did. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta do it. your I mean, some drummers hold the stick like that, you know, like, this i don't know what they do like this thing and the other guys are like this and you got to find what works for you yeah unless you're neil pert and you do both right <laughs> put your style it was funny i did a gig with the group the other day i'm trying to get a little bluesy boogaloo band off the ground i don't i don't know if it's going to get off the ground I, I still have to see and after years i mean years of picking where I held the pick like this. It didn't feel right. I started holding it like this George Benson, Pat Metheny with curled up in the other. No idea why that feels right now. Wow. It's, it's weird, you know, because I, I guess it's informed by the finger style. Like I'm, I'm like, I hear the truth now with a clean guitar sound. I'm not trying to cover it up. I'm not trying to roll the treble off. What is the truth of, of what's happening? Yeah. It re re reoriented me. I don't know if that makes any sense, but oh yeah, me meaning what's really happening with the sound here uh, when the pick is hitting the strings? Yeah, I mean Tommy, he can get the warmest, softest sound from a thumb pick. He can strum. He has such control with that tool. And the best concert is when you're hanging with him backstage and he's just running tunes one after the other, three feet away from you. It's warm. It's punchy. It's flawless. It's it's you know it's like classical guitar. And you go, man, he's he's got his hand to the side. How is he doing these arpeggios? Like so clear, this fast. I mean, it's just he's genius you know, with that stuff. It's he's a freak. Well, thank you very much, Adam. It's it's been a pleasure. Oh, guys, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. This has been cool. I hope I hope people hang with the conversation. This is this is cool. Yeah, this has been wonderful, and uh, I've I've been watching your videos for like hours, and oh, <laughs> hours cool. and hours. So like, it's funny to actually be talking to you. I feel like I have talked to you. Excellent. But, um, Excellent. Yeah, so right, do you want to do you want to plug your website again? Yeah, certainly. Uh, AdamRafferty.com. That's like the sort of blog, and you know, like every musician has their their website, and uh, people can go there and download all kinds of free goodies. And you'll see when you go to the front page. I, I don't do a whole lot of like, oh, I'm so great and I'm on tour. I just I just want people to grab the little free blues tablature right away. And if they go to the lessons page, there's all kinds of stuff there. Free, free, except they got to give me email address haha right right okay so and then study with adam is the site where i have all the uh, many more videos where you're you're on it joe where you can learn billy jean and all, all these tunes step by step and students can upload videos to me and i give a personal video review once a month which is a lot of work but i really try to make it like a real teaching site not only a Netflix style site. So there's a Netflix portion, but then there's a real communication uh, portion right. where I get to see students play, you know. That's cool. 
helpful. So that's studywithadam.com, and there's a free 14-day trial there for whoever wants to check it out. So, yeah, excellent. Oh, and the podcast, the podcast. It's just called The Finger Style Guitar Hangout. You can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Great, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is really cool. Yeah. Thank All you, right. Adam. Thanks. We cool. really, really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Talk yeah. to you guys soon. Yep. Take Have care. a good one. Okay. Bye. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.